in the info war and say, I don't know what's going to happen at the end of this, but you want to fight, you better believe you've got one. From the front lines of the information war, it's Alex Jones. Meet your new Supreme Court judge, Ketanji Jackson. In every single case involving child pornography, Judge Ketanji Jackson has been lenient and openly sympathetic with the perpetrators of child rape pornography. Christopher Michael Downs openly bragged about molesting his 13-year-old cousin. He was arrested for trading videos of child rape, including children as young as two years old. Judge Jackson gave him the absolute bare minimum sentence. Ryan Manning Cooper was arrested for having more than 600 images involving the rape and torture of children, including infants and toddlers, which is why the prosecutors made it clear that the case was on the more egregious or extreme spectrum. But Judge Jackson disagreed and ruled that distributing images of infants and toddlers being raped is not especially egregious. Wesley Keith Hawkins posted videos of 11-year-old boys being raped by men. Jackson only gave him three months, sent him to a low-security prison, arranged for special protections, and apologized to him, telling him that she feels so sorry for him and his family and for the anguish that this has caused all of them. In explaining her light sentence, Judge Jackson argued for the child pornographer's future potential. Six years later, he was arrested again for distributing child rape porn, and Jackson resentenced him to only six months in a residential reentry center. Neil Alexander Stewart was arrested with hundreds of images and videos of child rape while trying to procure children between the ages of 5 and 11 to rape them. Judge Jackson admitted that the felon was likely to reoffend, but still gave a light sentence, arguing that the current recommendations for child sex offenders is outdated and substantially flawed. Three years later, Stewart reoffended. This is how Judge Jackson got her start. In 2009, President Obama nominated her to vice chair the U.S. Sentencing Commission where she helped weaken federal sentencing policy for child pornographers by arguing that child pornographers are not pedophiles. Which is similar to how Hillary Clinton got her start when she defended a group of men who violently gang-raped a child and later joked how she knew they were guilty. It's also very interesting that when the biggest pedophile scandal in history broke, Judge Jackson was there. After WikiLeaks released the Podesta emails, millions of people were asking questions about a strange coded language being used between President Obama, Hillary Clinton, and their friends. A code that seemed to reflect what the FBI says is secret code for pedophiles. The whole sordid mess became known as Pizzagate, and when the Fed's cleanup operation ended up in the courts... Judge Ketanji Jackson was there to help tidy it all up. I'm sure this is all just a coincidence. 
Just like it was a coincidence that the world's most infamous pedophile blackmail artist killed himself in jail while the guards were surfing the internet. And just like it's a coincidence that Congress has paid out millions of dollars in court settlements that involve sexual assault. In some parallel universe, there may be an Earth that protects its children from pedophiles and other child predators, but not this one. On this Earth, we pay them taxes and sacrifice our children to them. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. Resistance to tyrants is obedience to God. It's Alex Jones. And the title of this session, Are We Ready for a New World Order? Ladies and gentlemen, it is Wednesday, April 6th. The year is 2022, and we have very important developments concerning the globalist plan to relaunch the COVID-19 lockdowns. We're about to lay that out in a moment. Again, thank you for joining us. Paul Joseph Watson, Owen Schroyer, and others will be taking over here in just a few minutes. Front and center, if we don't identify the globalists and the corporate crime syndicate as enemies of humanity, and if we don't address the fact that they are the ones on record orchestrating the engineered collapse of industrial civilization, then we have no hope. The good news is, as you've seen around the world with elections, uh, and with our own Congress beginning to talk about it, the world is awakening to the real threat. The question is, will we wake up fast enough to reverse this? Front and center for them is to demonize and attack anyone that talks about this. I am here in Connecticut with the whole Democratic Party funded run, anti-free speech, anti-gun, uh, Sandy Hook charade that's going on uh, with their attempts to demonize me and set the precedent to ban everybody's speech. And the first thing they brought up was, you believe in a new world order. You believe in one world government. You believe in an armed overthrow uh, of the new world order. So again, they're trying to demonize me as a terrorist who opposes the one world government that doesn't exist at the same time because the New York Times says so, even though just last week, Klaus Schwab had their big event in Dubai titled World Government Conference and edit Schwab and Harari and all the rest of the same cast of characters, James Bond villains, said the post-human world is here and that the world economy is collapsing, but don't worry, they're going to build a new green system on its ashes, build back better. And Booty Judge came out and said the same thing here in the U.S. But that's okay, because, again, they're allowed to push world government, corporate world government. We're just not allowed to oppose it. When we talk about it, we're crazy and violent, and it doesn't exist. That's gaslighting. That's brainwashing. So here's this former federal prosecutor who's prosecuting the First Amendment and all of our freedoms. And the first 20 minutes he spent hammering me for believing in an imaginary new world order and global government and that I want to be violent and overthrow people. 
which goes to the whole January 6th narrative and how they're trying to brand any political opposition as violent to what they're doing, but all the Democrat violence is mostly peaceful. And Kamala Harris bailing out rioters and looters and people trying to burn down the federal uh, courthouse in Oregon, there in Portland, that's all okay as well. Now, I'm going to segue out of that. I'm just pointing out how we have global government up here and we have their prosecutors uh, now with lawfare trying to shut down our free speech at the grassroots level. And that's so we cannot oppose the worldwide biomedical tyranny that is the basis of the world ID, the world social credit score, the world carbon tax that they admit is now being rolled out on a planetary scale under the auspices of the vaccine passport. So there's a big article from Zero Hedge up on Infowars.com. And I'm a Zero Hedge fan, but sometimes they have articles uh, that are, quite frankly, establishment. And so I saw this story pop up on our site today, and I just wanted to respond to it because really what it should say is China and the globalists roll out the next phase of COVID hysteria ahead of new lockdowns. And we know Fauci and Gates and others have said, oh, look in the fall for it to be back in new lockdowns. Uh, the head health minister in Canada came out a month ago and again yesterday, said the same thing. So, so they're clearly pre-programming and preparing everyone for this. And last time, 26 months ago, they started the hysteria in China. And now... They're doing it again, and Xi is working closely with Bill Gates and the Globalist on record to coordinate and choreograph this whole rollout. So the Zero Hedge article is like, oh, Xi's having trouble. He tried to save everybody from uh, the COVID, but it just got out of control. His martial law didn't work. What is he going to do? He's not going to be able to have a, a zero COVID policy now. When it, it, it's, it's acting like he failed with martial law and failed with people kneeling and, and being scanned and, and failed with the robots and drones flying around and failed with people being welded into their homes and electric fences being put up around their houses so they couldn't get out. All this dystopic martial law rollout for China and the world is not a failure of Xi. It's, it's, it, it, it's showing them the pretext and the excuse and showing the world how the police state's supposed to work with all of our media pointing at it and saying, look, that's what we need here. That's what they do in communist China. That's what they do in authoritarian Australia. But it's all part of the Build Back Better Davos group globalist cult that's coordinating this whole thing with China. So President Xi faces an impossible dilemma in Shanghai as COVID outbreak worsens. Despite the COVID lockdown, in the span of just over a week, the CCP authorities have gone from denying plans for a citywide lockdown of Shanghai to announcing what was supposed to be a two-part staggered lockdown to simply locking down the entire city and sitting in the military and a contingent of medical workers as locals accuse the government of violating its social compact to put the people's interests first. Now the entire city of roughly 26 million faces what's already shaping up to be the most punishing lockdowns in China since the original three-month Wuhan lockdown nightmare. And then it just goes on that they've got 9,000 asymptomatic cases, meaning they're not even sick, but we just have to have the image like out of a zombie apocalypse of thousands of government vans going in into huge identical tower blocks and taking everyone to giant garbage, rat-filled quarantine centers. I mean, this is dystopic 
garbage because Xi is getting ready for the global financial collapse that they are orchestrating to bring in the new global currency that is programmable tokens. And he's working in concert with the Davos group, with Bill Gates and the most hardcore group inside the new world order. This is their exact plan. And that's why they want us off air because they know we're raising the alarm and a lot of thought leaders are listening to us and checking out what we're saying and learning it's true. So let's not buy in to this new, oh my gosh, there's a lockdown in China. Oh, there's a new variant of Delta. It's coming out. Let's hammer that it came out of a lab with Fauci and the Chinese and Gates and Dazic, that it is weaponized, that they did release it. And now they've given us the vaccine that creates the same thing on our body and erases our immune system so that future viruses can kill us much, much easier. That is what's happening is martial law through the medical system, a biomedical tyranny. We're going to go to break. Your guest hosts are going to take back over. I want to thank you all for your support, and I want to encourage you to be more vocal than you've ever been now, because this is the season of awakening. This is the season when the globalists are making their move against humanity, and people are really receptive to the truth right now. So don't let them gaslight you. Don't let them tell you that there's not a new world order, not a global government, while they also announce it out of the other side of their mouth. Call them out on it and just move forward and keep raising the alarm in a peaceful way, Paul Revere's. God bless and good luck. So far, it's corporations and governments collecting data about where we go, who we meet, what movies we watch. The next phase is the surveillance going under our skin. The whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election or whether in the supermarket this is my free will, that's over. We have the technology to hack human beings on a massive scale. New surveillance technologies that are now deployed just to deal with this coronavirus uh, outbreak, when it's over, some governments may say, yes, but there is a second wave of corona coming, so we have to be prepared. And there is Ebola, and there is also regular flu. Why not protect people against that too with this new surveillance system? So the tendency would be to prolong it uh, indefinitely. Also, it's the moment when surveillance goes really under the skin. Governments are now not, not just interested in where we go and who we meet, but even in what's happening inside our bodies. And now's the time when things are shifting. We're gonna, there's gonna be a new world order out there and we've got to lead it. And we've got to unite the rest of the free world in doing it. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. Hey, everybody. 
If you've ever thought about heirloom beans as a storable survival food, I've got great news. In fact, I'll bet it's the best news you've heard in a while. Here's the thing. We've just received a fresh batch of gourmet heirloom beans, survival soup beans. These beans are gorgeous, highly nutritious, and above all, with no hesitation whatsoever, the best tasting beans in the entire world. The best part? We've dropped the price by 33% this week for listeners who know higher food prices are coming and want an inflation hedge you can actually eat if you want to. Gets even better. With your permission and with a high regard for your health and well-being, I also want to send you two pounds of what we think is the single most underrated superfood in the world, period. Go to SoupBeanSurvival.com. That's SoupBeanSurvival.com. And discover the real reason we're giving this unusual superfood away at SoupBeanSurvival.com. That's SoupBeanSurvival.com. You're listening to The Alex Jones Show. Transmitting worldwide from the Summit.News studios in the United Kingdom. You are listening to Paul Joseph Watson. You ever think you'd see the day? Elon Musk is now the largest individual shareholder of Twitter. And today he was appointed to the board of directors. Yes! Get in! All this just days after Musk said Twitter's failure to uphold free speech fundamentally undermines democracy. All the right people are fuming. A prominent transphobe buying a large stake in Twitter is not as old thingy. I'm honestly kind of terrified right now. When imbeciles with preferred pronouns in their bios are big mad, you know it's a good day for the good guys. Others complained about the impact on the company culture. Oh no, not the precious company culture. Culture of what? Weaponized mobs of angry soy jacks and beard splainers. Demanding anyone who dares suggest chromosomes exist be publicly humiliated and banned. Swivel on it. Bring back Trump. Make Twitter fun again. But can Elon save Twitter? Surely he's up against a wall of opposition. Maybe, but many of them won't be there for much longer. Twitter CEO Parag Agrawal, the guy who threw free speech under a bus back in 2018. He's going to be gone soon. Jack Dorsey seems to be on the road to achieving some kind of miraculous escape from perdition to penance. He expressed regret over the weekend for his role in helping giant corporations obtain monopolies over content and speech. And then he welcomed Musk joining the board. Many of the alphabet people and other adversaries of free speech will, if Elon Caesar's control, be forced to perform their duty of moral exhibitionist seppuku and quit the company. But the regime won't give up the fight so easily. A condition of Musk being on the board of Twitter is that while he's on it, he's prevented from buying more than 14.9% of the company's stock. That stops him from buying more of the company or the whole
whole thing. But his new position will give him huge influence over Twitter's increasingly draconian rules and content policies. After he asked whether Twitter adhered to free speech, Musk indicated he was giving serious thought to starting a competitor. According to analysis by Bank of America, quote, if Twitter does not agree to modify its content policies in line with Elon's vision, the Tesla founder could pull the trigger on creating a new competitor. Not Truth Social or any other of these naff efforts. One with teeth and mammoth funding. As Zero Hedge summarizes, one thing is clear, the current management team at Twitter headed by woke CEO Parag Agrawal is as good as gone. Get woke, go broke in reverse. The mere prospect of Twitter once again becoming a genuine free speech platform is invigorating. Rescued from the pearl-clutching grasp of echo chamber blue check marks. Liberated from abuse by cretinous journalists who weaponized it to ruin people's lives and silence ideological opposition. Freed from the Ministry of Truth fact-checker legacy media industrial complex who sanitized it by banning anyone in Interesting and ring-fencing permissible Overton windows of discussion. Emancipated from screeching astroturf hashtag activists and the mob, who manipulated it to dogpile, publicly shame, tar and feather anyone who dared contradict regime narratives. To think that all that malignancy will just vanish overnight is pie in the sky. But there's a real chance of change. Hang on, isn't this all a Trojan horse? How could it be that the richest man in the world isn't in fact poor? of the regime. It just sounds too good to be true. Well, it is true. I can confirm with 100% certainty that Elon Musk is indeed based. And much to the horror of the woke cretins who have had the run of the social media network for years, Twitter may be about to be based again too. Feels like we're back, boys. Feels like we're back. There you go. That's the latest from Paul Joseph Watson. You can find that video at Infowars.com, band.video. This is Harrison Smith sitting in momentarily for Alex Jones. We'll go back to an Alex Jones report that he filed from on the road about Joe Rogan and the transgender agenda. Very exciting stuff. Just, just I, I love talking about this all day. I got to be honest. I don't know how Alex Jones does it. I really don't. I've been working here for about five years. And uh, it's, it is a wait, man, to have to talk about this every day, to have to focus on this every day. And we, we have victories, don't get me wrong, but they're always a little bit bittersweet, aren't they? Like, especially now with all the talk about transgenderism in the news, people waking up to the well, cult indoctrination that our children are subjected to in public schools. It's like, on one hand, it's like, good, yes, wake up to this, realize what's going on. Hopefully now you can take that next step into understanding that this isn't a simple or momentary aberration, but is part of a much larger plan of dehumanization as part of depopulation. Like hopefully you can take that next step. So it's good people are understanding what's going on now. The bad news is that it's been going on for years and nobody seemed to care. I mean, how many years have we shown videos of drag queen story hour? I mean, that happened in, what, 2016 at the latest? We were the only outlet talking about it. We were the only ones going, yeah, this is weird. This is creepy when you have a, a man with a beard in a, in a see-through dress twerking for a child. There's something weird about this, in our opinion. It's strange. And the drag queen stuff is especially strange because it doesn't even have the cover of transgenderism, right? Transgenderism, you could at least claim if you wanted to, that there was some sort of, you know, 
something going on in the mind. Oh, I'm not the gender I was born as. But drag queens, they're just, they're just men. They know they're men. They're not pretending to be women. They're dressing up like women for sexual gratification. Like, it's really not that complicated. So we were talking about this forever. So it's always bittersweet. It's always like, good, yes, you're waking up to this. Fantastic. But at the same time, where the heck were you? Why, why did it take you this long? You understand that if we had stopped this five years ago, it, wouldn't have never, it would have never gotten to this point. And that because you ignored us, because you rolled your eyes, because you had this pathological altruism of, oh, well, they just want to be themselves, and you allowed the, the predators to target your children, now we got a lot of reversal to do, a lot of pushback to get into. And I'll talk about in the next segment some of the calls I got this morning on American Journal, the show that I host from 8 to 11 every weekday morning here on Infowars.com. We, we are a call-in show primarily, and the last two or three calls that we got are really stuck in my mind because it's more widespread than you would think the way that the state law enforcement apparatus is cooperating and working hand-in-hand with the public school system to enforce transgenderism. I mean, it's, it's cult indoctrination at the start, but the enforcement arm of this cult is the Child Protective Services, and it's pretty horrific. And I'll read some stories and tell you about one of the callers that we had that herself got CPS called on her. They tried to take her children away for simply asking questions to the elementary school about what her son was being taught. And this is all... This is all happening at an incredibly rapid rate and across the world in a coordinated and designed manner to bring about their ultimate goal, which is total subjugation of all of humanity under a single globalist superstate. Are we starting to get that now, or is it going to be like once the Antichrist is on his throne and everybody's pledging allegiance <laughs> that the rest of the world goes, well, this is kind of weird. I didn't expect it to get to this point. Well, why not? What's going to stop it? They're not going to stop themselves. You have to stop them. It's the only way. And we'll talk about how on the other side. This is The Alex Jones Show, InfoWars.com. The first ten amendments to our country's constitution were adopted in 1791. The first of these broadly protects the rights of free speech and free press. Free speech means the free and public expression of opinions without censorship, interference, and restraint by the government. 231 years later, free speech across America is under chronic and insidious attack. GCN is under attack. Your freedom is currently under siege from those who do not want you to know the truth. I'm asking our fellow broadcasters and you to rise up and help us defend our right to continue telling you the truth. Would you like to join us? If so, please consider visiting SaveGCN.com. Save gcn.com you may click follow share give and pray you may select all of those choices i'm vincent finelli april you're listening to the alex jones show Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Alex Jones Show. I'm Harrison Smith sitting in for Alex, who is on the road right now. We'll be hearing a report from Alex in the next segment about Joe Rogan and and Leah Thomas. 
And I guess that's just our, our lot in life now is we're just going to have to talk about transgenderism all day, every day, until we sort things out and, and get back to some semblance of, of normalcy. But we'll take on that burden. We'll keep talking about it. We have for years, and now apparently everybody else is waking up to what's really going on. The full-on cult indoctrination taking place in our public schools with using Child Protective Services as the enforcement arm of this bizarre religious ideology. You know, in that last segment, just as a, as a quick little segue, quick little note, Paul Joseph Watson said that Elon Musk is based, and I'd have to agree, overall. But then, of course, anytime I mention Elon Musk on something like Twitter, I'll get responses of people going, how could he possibly be based? He's a globalist that wants to put a microchip in your head. It's like, eh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Actually, that's really creepy and weird. And the Neuralink brain interface, I mean, that is the ultimate goal of the globalist. So how, how based is he really? And what you realize is that we are just so desperate, hungry, famished for just, the, just a modicum, just an iota, just a tiny, tiny amount of logic and sense and not just openly despising humanity or nature that we just latch onto it we're just like oh my god yes he he knows that men are men and women are women he's based he's a genius make him president it's like that's how hungry we are that's how rare it is to see a public figure that isn't you know openly trying to enslave us you know compare elon musk to to bill gates yeah he's pretty based but then at the same time, he's trying to uh, implant chips in your head. So, you know, it, it goes back and forth. But again, we've gone so far as a society and as a civilization that we're just anybody that offers us just the, the slightest bit of common sense, we flock to because we can't help it because they're the only options out there. It's such a rare thing these days. And this, the, the transgender stuff is just flouting reality in the most egregious way. And I covered this story really extensively on American Journal this morning, but it's called Trans Tyranny in Public Schools, Chronicle Magazines by Pedro Gonzalez. And the story that it tells is horrific, harrowing even. It's essentially parents who found out, you know, their kid was just acting kind of strange, being distant, not telling them what was going on wanted to go see a therapist, and so they sent her to a therapist, not really sure what her issue was. And what they found out is that she had been secretly transitioned to a boy by her school, who were calling her a boy and, and letting her live as a boy without telling the parents. And so this family decided to homeschool the kid, which again is like, it's such a burden, homeschooling. Like really, we don't have the right to have free schooling as our birthright. As citizens of this country, we have to forego that. We have to take that burden on for ourselves, the financial burden or the burden of you know, having to do all the work and, and you know, not, not able to have a job because you have to spend all day every day teaching your kids. Like, that's a burden that people take on, and I totally get why. Obviously, if your kid is being indoctrinated into a cult in school, you don't want to send them there. At the same time, it's just not fair. It's just not fair that people have to take it on themselves, but they do. They take the daughter out of school and away from the groomers. And what happens? They get the Department of Family Services called on them, CPS, Texas's version of CPS, called DFPS, Department of Family and Protective Services. 
And you think this would be something outrageous and rare. That you take your kid out of homeschool and you get somebody calling CPS to take your child away from you, saying that you are abusive. But it gets worse. It gets worse because the suspicion is that it was the very teachers and counselors who took advantage of a mentally ill child to transition them who are the ones that it looks like called CPS. The daughter who they're calling Jane, because also they can't use real names in this, right? This article, they call the, the dad John and they call the daughter Jane. It's not their real names, but we live in a terrorist state where if you are public about your opposition to you know, castrating children or chemically sterilizing young girls, then you, you may you know, be attacked by the brown shirts. So they have, to, they have to hide their name, and they say, Jane remembered a counselor asking her leading questions, including whether she'd been denied medical care. Jane mentioned that at a routine health checkup, her parents had declined a doctor's suggestion to put her on antidepressants, saying they had enrolled her in mental health therapy instead. The counselor also asked about her living situation, including, oddly, about her house's security system. John and his daughter realized together that the leading conversations he'd had with the gu- guidance counselor seemed to inform the allegations of child abuse and that he had made erroneous erroneous assumptions that the security system was some kind of device to keep Jane locked up. They suspect a teacher at the school may have been involved as well and may have filed one of the abuse reports. There were multiple abuse reports. So these people transition the kid without telling the parents, hide it from the parents. Then when the parent finds out and takes the kid out of the school, they call CPS to get the kid taken away. And they do it by using the information that they have access to as authorities in this kid's school. And one of them denied medical care for refusing to go on antidepressants. Is it starting to make sense what a horrific nightmare parents are in these days? And this is happening across the country because then we got a caller from Minneapolis, Minnesota, who said exactly the same thing had happened to her, but even more intensely, she had a kid who kept getting sent home because there would be COVID, you know, two-week whatever COVID they'd, they'd send the kid home for two weeks. And so she was looking at, you know, his homework and, and wanted to call the school and ask about the stuff he was being taught. And simply the act of asking this question, suddenly she had a CPS report filed on her. And she said, you know, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing when you get a CPS report filed on you, you feel like a bad parent. So she didn't really talk to anybody about it until one day she brought it up to a complete stranger. Apparently she was waiting at the bus and just brought up that this has happened to her. And that stranger at the bus said, this happened to me too. It happened to them too. And it was the same social worker who at their school district had filed reports with CPS. So now there's a file on them, right? And now they're under surveillance and now they have to be squeaky clean or else their child will be taken away from them and sent God knows where. Some foster family at best, right? So this is the public school system actually working hand-in-hand with CPS to try to take children away from people who speak up against their brainwashing of their children. It's almost unimaginable until you realize these people are sick and they're evil and they're doing everything they can to destroy the family and destroy any connection to reality so they can build a false reality that they control and can enslave you through their biotechnocratic financial tyranny. It literally is as simple as that, and if you don't get it, I'm sorry. I don't know how to explain it to you more deeply than that because it really is that simple, and it really is that insane. But again, 
You can sit there and, and tell these people, hey, you know, this, this destroyed my family. This ruined my child's mental health. This permanently disfigured my child physically. This has been painful and horrific. And you know what they'll do? They'll call CPS on you and they'll laugh in your face and they'll call you a bigot for opposing them. Because then we had another caller who said he talked to the chief of police in Washington, D.C. about the story of the five post-birth abortions that were discovered. And he said he he gave her a a little piece of his mind. He said, you know, if you people are in favor of this, you're demons. You you people are are demons. And of course, the, the woman laughs at him, right? Because it's funny to care about newborn babies being murdered. Like, I know it's hard to understand for most Americans. I know that you're a good person and you don't want to believe that other people can shut their hearts off to humanity like that. But this is the point of the program. The point is to turn people into little little cult leader monsters who will slit your throat with a smile because they've been told they're on the good side. They're on the right side of history and you are just a road bump on the road to progress. They're dehumanizing everybody in every way possible. We'll be back on the other side with a report by Alex Jones. Stay with us, folks. The powerful combination of both vitamin C and zinc are great stepping stones to leading a healthier life. InfoWars has made it easier to make sure you're getting enough in your system with a supplement that contains both. This InfoWars life offering vitamin C plus zinc with rose hips should be your next purchase from the InfoWars store. The rose hips contained within are a part of the rose flower just below the petals that contain the rose plant seeds. Natural chemicals found in the hips may even be helpful for a variety of health conditions, including those with osteoarthritis and for those with pain after surgery, studies have shown. As for vitamin C and zinc themselves, you probably already know that they play an important role in nutrition, immune defense, and the maintenance of your everyday health. It has been reported that intake of both is often inadequate, even in affluent populations like here in America. So next time you visit, be sure to check it out at InfoWarsStore.com where we promise our rose hips don't lie. April 2022 just kicked off, and it's already been incredible. Klaus Schwab, Bill Gates, Joe Biden, they, along with many other New World Order operatives, have gone on national television and announced that we are now under a world government. They have a summit taking place right now in Dubai titled World Government Summit, and they are announcing incredible tyranny. Everything we've talked about is now coming true. And the globalists want to take us off air. Ladies and gentlemen, we are running the biggest sale in the history of InfoWars right now. In our 28 years, all InfoWars apparel is being sold at cost until the inventory is gone and we're never going to print these t-shirts and ball caps and InfoWars flags again. We may have t-shirts and apparel in the future, but I don't even know. We are blowing out of everything to get emergency funds in right now. I'm firing the bat signal and asking you to get your T-shirts at InfoWarsStore.com right now. They're at cost. You're listening to The Alex Jones Show. From the InfoWars.com studios, it's Alex Jones. Bad news travels like wildfire. Good and news. welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Alex Jones Show. We're going to go back 
to the live transmission here in a moment. All the latest breaking news and information. But first, I wanted to salute my old friend Joe Rogan for standing up against the transhumanist mafia that is using the whole transgender movement as its pretext to destroy the two genders and set up their scientific dictatorship. And I always preface this with no hatred towards adults who have chosen to change their bodies or do something. They have free will, and that is their body do with as they wish. But we shouldn't have to pay for it, and we shouldn't have our children targeted with it. All right? If you want to have your genitals removed, that is your business. Just don't try to brainwash children into doing it. So Joe has come out and stirred new controversy by saying that trans NCAA champ swimmer Leah Thomas is an assault on women's sports and all the usual suspects are demonizing him for simply calling out the fact that the emperor is wearing no clothes. Yeah. Well, what it is now is not good. What it is now is assault on women's sports. And the idea that anybody would think it's fair that someone who is number 462 as a man, 462 in the nation, is number one as a woman a year later. Yeah. And that's fair. You don't think maybe it was her passion for swimming that got her to number one? Could be. It's just an amazing or woman. Or change in diet? Could be. Could be that. Could be. Yeah. Just maybe just becoming her true self. I can't think of any other factor winner. it could be. I, I'm just going yeah. passion for swimming. Mm-hmm. Maybe. You're probably right. <laughs> But it's it, that might be the woke straw that breaks the society's camel back. You're starting you know? to see a lot of those now. So people are so, women are so frustrated because if you or or parents, if your daughter is competing and they're competing against a trans woman, it's not fair. It's just not fair. No matter what anybody says, there's this nonsense idea of like, well, there's outliers and all. There's outliers, and then there's biological males. Right. That's beyond outliers. There's it's, always exceptions. The yeah. ancient Greeks used to say there's no rule without an exception, but you can't define what it is based on the exceptions. Well, it's interesting because in all other aspects of society, it's pretty much a given that, you know, a, a person can become trans and change their name and we're all pretty accepting of it. Where where people have the most pushback is in sports. Right. Athletic competition. That's where the, the real pushback is. Right. Where people, this is clearly not fair. There's a reason why we have a distinction between men and women's sports. And it's ironic because the people on that side usually always champion equality and Nobody having an advantage and, mm-hmm. you know, the people who are maybe disenfranchised or less capable should have an equal opportunity. And by throwing someone like Leah Thomas um, in there, you're kind of um, that's the opposite of that. I think it's also probably terrible for the whole trans movement because it makes people more cynical about what the positive aspects of it are, and it makes people more, uh, you know, less likely to accept it because they think of now they think of trans people and trans rights, and they connect it to this athletic thing. It's a great point. Yeah, that's a yeah. It's probably making people more distrustful or more upset or less accepting. Why is telling the truth now an assault on quote trans people? It's not. The assault is on women's sports. The assault is an attempted corporate takeover of the biological mechanisms of humans. That's their stated goal. They want to not just turn all the crops into GMO systems that can't reproduce without laboratory conditions with their terminator genes. 
They want to do it with humans. That's the admitted holy grail. And if you go listen to Klaus Schwab or Harari or all these other globalists, they're saying the end of humans is now. The post-human world is here. Your free will is over. So far, it's corporations and governments collecting data about where we go, who we meet, what movies we watch. The next phase is the surveillance going under our skin. The whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election or whether in the supermarket, this is my free will, that's over. We have the technology to hack human beings on a massive scale. New surveillance technologies that are now deployed just to deal with this coronavirus uh, outbreak, when it's over, some governments may say, yes, but there is a second wave of corona coming, so we have to be prepared. And there is Ebola, and there is also regular flu. Why not protect people against that too with this new surveillance system? So the tendency would be to prolong it uh, indefinitely. Also, it's the moment when surveillance goes really under the skin Governments are now not, not just interested in where we go and who we meet, but even in what's happening inside our bodies. You see, this is a declaration of war against humanity. And the Tavistock Institute and all the big tech companies that are pushing transgenderism admit that once you accept a man being a woman and a woman being a man, you'll accept babies being grown in pods. You'll accept human-animal hybrids. You'll accept humanoid clones that aren't really human but don't have rights but are indistinguishable from humans. This is the future. This is how, in the name of civil rights, the globalists are bringing in a system that takes all of our rights away and turns us into a big corporate commodity. All right, I'm going to hand the baton back to the crew and the great live transmission in Austin, Texas. I just want to remind everybody that InfoWars is literally the front line of fighting for humanity. InfoWars is the heart of the brain trust that understands the enemy's operations. And that means you're at the very heart of that as well. So that's why I always want to take out time to thank you all and to ask you to pray for us and to ask you to spread the articles and videos like never before. And to ask you to go to InfoWarsStore.com and to support the broadcast. We are in the thick of the fight. We've never been under so much attack because we've never been so effective. Three things I want to tell you about. All the t-shirts and apparel and flags and everything is being sell- sold at cost. Total blowout sale. None of these designs that we've made over 20 plus years will ever come back. They're all limited edition now because it's all ending. We got to get the funds in. We may still have some t-shirts in the future, but they'll be limited edition as well. Only three or four designs at a time. So all the old designs are, are gone. You want to get them now and support the InfoWar. Here's your chance. InfoWarStore.com. Pollen block for seasonal discomfort and allergies. All natural. Works really great. People love it. It's back in stock. Sold out for a year. It's 40% off. And we've only got through the weekend to get Vaso Beach and BioTruselenium for 40% off. That sale is going to be ending in three or four days. And then on top of that, we will sell out at current sales rates of the 1776 coin by Friday or Saturday. It's part two in a three-part series, 1776coin.com or infowarstore.com and follow that link to patriotcollectibles.com. And you can find those and the markup in the coin funds keeping us on the air and everybody that gives us their email will be a founding member if we're able to stay on air and launch some new stuff, which we probably will. We're going to try our hardest, but we need the funds. 
you'll be part of something really special being a founding member. So don't miss out on this. It's only three coins in the series. We're about to sell out of the second coin of the series. Infowarsstore.com or 888-253-3139. Thank you all for your support and your prayers. Back to the live broadcast. All right, so that was Alex Jones. This is Harrison Smith sitting in for Alex Jones here. I'll be uh, hitting the road, though, and handing it over to Robert Barnes for the 12 o'clock hour. The 1 o'clock hour will be hosted by Mike Adams, and the fourth hour host will be Kate Daly. So stay tuned for that incredible news coming up. And, you know, if you're a regular InfoWars viewer, you probably recognize, because I know I have, uh, even just the way Alex talks about the survival of InfoWars now has changed a little bit hasn't it? It's because we're facing threats like we never have before, and our survival really is up in the air, and it's entirely up to you, and we really do appreciate you going to InfoWarsStore.com and taking advantage of the massive sales. I mean, just the t-shirts alone, or the hats, there's the Save the Frog hats that we were selling for $35. It's like $8 now. I mean, that is, that's a steal, folks, and these, the t-shirts, the hats, everything is made of the highest quality. I can tell you Personally, I, the only time I, I ever bought anything from InfoWars before I worked here was the 1776 t-shirt that I still wear to this day. So six years on, there's not a hole in it. The color isn't faded. It's really just gotten softer. And so the stuff that you're getting, just like our supplements, just like our information, it's the real deal, and it will last a very long time. And of course, best of all, it portrays your your love of country and your hatred of the globalist. We don't hate them. We just want them to go away. <laughs> That's all. So uh, please do support us by going to InfoWarsStore.com. And actually, I had a caller in American Journal today that was telling a story about how he uh, had his card declined at a gas station, but he was wearing an InfoWars shirt. And the two guys behind him were both like, well, we love that shirt. We're going we're gonna to pay your bill for you. Uh, so who knows what wonderful things will happen to you when you walk around wearing an InfoWars shirt, but you're bound to meet more friends than enemies. And now is the best time ever to support us. InfoWarsStore.com. Get some t-shirts while you're there. Buy some supplements. Just help us out because we're fighting and we promise not to stop as long as we can. We are only offering three coins in the series. The first coin was released in December of 2021 and sold out in 10 days. Now, the second coin as we enter the last days of March into April 2022 is now being offered. And I believe it will sell out in just a few days again because these are historic coins and because our amazing listeners want to support freedom and keep InfoWars at the front lines of the fight against these tyrants. So go for yourself to 1776coin.com and see the new Liberty Tree coin. It is powerful. Witness this powerful iconography for yourself and have this piece of history and be part of the founding member system that we're set to launch in the very near future thanks to your support of this project. Get a historic memento that helps keep InfoWars on the air and also gives you a real piece of history at 1776coin.com.
And I just can't help but like notice. And so your you question been, was whether no, or not we. I control the time. Your, your question you guys was have been blowing a lot of calls socialism. lately on the matters of no. strategy, Mr. Secretary. You guys told us that Russia couldn't lose. You told us that the Taliban couldn't immediately win. And so I guess I'm wondering what in the $773 billion that you're requesting today is going to help you make assessments that are accurate in the face of so many blown calls. You, you've, you've seen what's in our budget. You've seen how the budget matches the strategy, and so I'll let that speak for itself. Well, I mean, it, I've also seen that we're behind, Mr. Secretary. We're behind in hypersonics. We failed to deter Russia last year. So what do, you, what, do you, what do you mean we're behind in hypersonics? How, how do you? Okay, do who you, do you, who's ahead in hypersonics? Your own people brief us that we are behind and that China is winning. Are, are you aware of the briefings we get on hypersonics? I am certainly aware of briefings that we provide to, to Congress. But it, it's not just the hypersonics. It's all over the world. It's in Taiwan, where China's last year flew more sorties than ever before. It's North Korea on pace to shatter prior records, the number of missiles that they, that they are testing. And so while everyone else in the world seems to be developing capabilities and being more strategic, we got time to embrace critical race theory at West Point, to embrace socialism at the National Defense University, to do mandatory pronoun training. Do you it's, assess... You know, it's, it's, again, this is the most capable, the most combat-credible force in the world. It has been, and it will be so uh, going forward. Not if and we this continue down this path. To do that. Not if we embrace socialism. The, the fact that you're embarrassed by your by your country. By oh no no no! Country, I'm embarrassed by I'm, your leadership. I'm sorry for I am that. not embarrassed for my country. I wish it's we were not losing saying. to China. It's I what we're saying. Were, you know what? The that's you know that is so. That is so disgraceful that you would sit here and conflate your failures with the failures of the uniformed service members. You guys said that that Russia would overrun Ukraine in 36 days. You said that the Taliban would be kept at bay for months. You totally blew those calls. And maybe we would be better at them if the National Defense University actually worked a little more on strategy and a little less on wokeism. Has it occurred to you that Russia has not overrun Ukraine because of what we've done? So I, th I think the idea of deterring Putin from invading uh, Ukraine, uh, deterring him by the United States, would have required the commitment of U.S. military forces, and I think that would have risked uh, armed conflict with Russia, which I certainly would have advised. The Marxists running Biden's dwindling brain what do we do now? have loudly complained incessantly about systematic racism in the private and public sectors, yet there is no concern for the systematic ignorance within the U.S. military that allows those seeking higher brass to continue for decades as serial rapists and child molesters. Case in point, Staff Sergeant Randall S. Hughes got off with a slap on the wrist after he raped the wife of a young soldier under his charge during a Super Bowl party in 2017. He was merely transferred to Fort Dix, New Jersey, and it wasn't long before he was again accused of rape this time by his own teenage daughter. Finally, after a decade, Hughes' madness would come to a stop after an investigation revealed five victims that could have avoided the abuse had the military done its job. A civilian army commander is accused of leading a child pornography ring that involved his own adopted son and also risking U.S. security. David Frodsham was arrested in Arizona and pleaded guilty to sex abuse in 2016. He's currently serving a 17-year sentence, but records obtained by the Associated Press show that he worked at Fort Huachuca after an Army commander recommended disciplinary action. 
The AP says that red flags were missed or ignored. Fraud Sham pleaded guilty to sex abuse charges in 2016 and is now serving a 17-year sentence. But the U.S. Army and the state of Arizona had missed and or ignored a myriad of red flags for more than a decade, allowing Fraud Sham to allegedly abuse his adopted son and his other children for years. Practices that made this higher officer vulnerable to blackmail. It is actually systematic incompetence and blackmail that runs rampant throughout our military and private and public sectors, crushing what remains of American national security, a problem we would likely address if the country wasn't infested by Marxist treason. John Bound reporting. Welcome, everybody, to the uh, Alex Jones Show here at InfoWars. I am hosting, uh, especially for Alex Jones uh, today, for an hour or two. The uh, Let's talk about false flags in Ukraine and false flags in general. How do you spot or how do you flag a false flag? Well, first of all, look for an event that has you comically, cartoonishly, grotesquely caricaturing one side to a conflict. If you find yourself being asked to believe an entire group of people, an entire race, an entire ethnicity, an entire country, an entire army, is the distillation of pure evil, something like the demonic imagery that we saw utilized in the propaganda for the Spanish-American War and the build-up to it, or in the build-up to World War I, or the build-up to World War II, or what the Nazis did to uh, various uh, uh, races that they disfavored, including the Jewish uh, uh, tradition and culture, or what the Soviets often did. If we dig into that, that's when we have the first piece of evidence that we may be seeing a false flag, that they're asking us to look at some group of people as a group of people as somehow inherently and insanely evil, and that there be no rational reason for the course of conduct taking place. Second, look for something that is in, uh, intended to inspire and invoke a, an emotional response, a purely emotional response. Without any geopolitical strategy, without any wisdom or logic, without any military uh, strategic benefit, just purely an emotional raw rage. If, uh, if the event is intended to create that effect, to get us to be blind to the broader facts or contextual history or analysis or geopolitical self-interest, then be suspect and skeptical that the event is what the media or others are representing it as. The third is, look at uh, who benefits. Uh, look at who profits. Look at the motive. Uh, in other words, is the party that is accused of doing this, do they have any motive to do this? Or is the party that's going to profit from this the so-called victim of this? There have been about a couple of dozen false flags already in the Ukrainian-Russian conflict, but the latest one is just the most grievous. The allegations are that in a small suburb near Kiev, where the Russians occupied militarily for a very brief period of time. And by the way, they occupied it without controlling it, in the sense that they allowed the local anti-Russian mayor to stay in operational control and the local population to do whatever they wanted. They did not cut off water. They did not cut off electricity. They did not cut off any civilian infrastructure. They didn't even prevent internet or phone use. They didn't even gather phones. Kind of an odd thing to do if your goal is to commit horrible atrocities. And in fact, no atrocities were reported while the Russians were present or even for several days after the Russians exited. 
The allegations are, uh, almost a week after the Russians exited, that uh, the Russians went in and purportedly went door to door asking for all age-conscriptable adults in that town, uh, tied them up, took them down, publicly executed them, and left them on the streets. And that they did so from the very beginning and that those bodies had been sitting there for weeks, according to the New York Times. This story uh, fits all the attributes of a false flag. First, it asks you to uh, see the Russian army as completely irrational, as, a, as grotesquely evil. The New York Post had some fake news headlines that actually used atrocities the Ukrainians had been committed and documented to have committed and claimed that Russians had did it, recycling the photographs to blame somebody new uh, in an embarrassing evidence that Rupert Mur Murdoch is back to his warmongering days. But so the first problem is it asks you to see the Russians as irrational, <clears throat> as evil, as demonic, as a group, as a society, as an army, as a, a civilian, as a citizen population, as we are witnessing in the discriminatory actions uh, targeted towards people solely based on their ancestry, solely based on their nationality. If you are a kid and you're a good uh, pianist, you now can't perform at a concert. If you're a tennis player, you now can't perform in a tennis competition. If you're a dancer, you can't perform in a dance competition. If you simply want to rent an Airbnb anywhere in the world, you can't based solely on your nationality. Open, blatant bigotry, illegal bigotry on display. Why? Because these kind of false flag events are designed to get you to hate a whole group of people, to get you to have your Orwellian two minutes of hate targeting, in this case, a race, a nationality, an ancestry, a population. So this <clears throat> false flag had that first evidence right out of the gate, asking you to believe kind of ridiculous things about a whole group of people. The second thing it did, of course, is it asked you for an emotional response. This is what these uh, war propaganda is really known for. It isn't a geopolitical analysis. It isn't a historical contextual analysis. It's not a legal analysis. It's just filled with images meant to inflame your opinions in ways that deprive you of the cognizant capacity to think through the issue, to understand the issue in broader context. It is very much Orwell's two minutes of hate. And <clears throat> this had that same effect. Look at the dead body. 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 Don't look any further. Don't look any deeper. Don't look any wider. Don't look any broader. Is This was a classic false flag type event. And then the third screams out. Does Russia profit from killing random civilians in a small suburb of Ukraine? How? How do they strategically gain anything? To the contrary, they undermine one of their critical public uh, relations intentions in this war, <clears throat> which is, as Putin has said from the get-go, that the Russians want to go out of their way to avoid civilian casualties, that they are not at war with the Ukrainian people. They are at war with the Ukrainian military and its uh, nazified units. In that capacity, the Russians have gone to great lengths, uh, in fact, historically unparalleled and unprecedented lengths, to avoid civilian casualties. There's been no mass carpet bombing of the cities, like we did in World War II and fire bombing Dresden or napalm bombing Tokyo or nuclear dropping nuclear weapons on Japan. There's none of that. There's not lore like we did to Serbia or Somalia or Sudan or Libya or Iraq. There's no evidence of any of that taking place. You can watch the videos in live time of live streams of downtown Kiev that look just the same as they did 35 days ago when this conflict began. The, uh, secondly, there's been no cutoff of meaningful civilian infrastructure. 
How do you think uh, the actor Zelensky is able to appear for the Grammys or the United Nations or for Congress uh, or for Parliament in his you know, repetition of his 1984 scre- uh, scene with the way in which that presentation was made? How? Because no communications have been cut off, civilian communications. No uh, means of Internet broadcasting has been cut off. No water has been cut off. No sewage has been cut off. No power has been cut off. Unlike what the Ukrainians, by the way, have been doing to Crimea in Mariupol and uh, in the Donbass. They have cut off water supply, where it's the Ukrainians that have been shelling deliberately civilian locations. It's the Ukrainians cutting off communications and civilian infrastructure. The Russians have gone out of their way not to do so. If you're not going to take advantage of the military power of your weaponry just to avoid civilian casualties, are you going to go door to door and execute 400 people of conscriptable age? Does that make any sense whatsoever? They could not profit from this. They had no motive to do this. By contrast, Ukraine has every motive to do this. Ukraine is losing this war, despite what the media says. And Ukraine is run by a bunch of grifter elites who depend on Western cash and capital for their enrichment and empowerment, and they could care less about the Ukrainian people. And as part of it, they have armed neo-Nazi-aligned groups. And it's important to understand that in the Ukrainian and Russian context, Nazi means anti-Russian primarily. The same sort of horrible, psychotic, and sociopathic tendencies amongst the people that they're giving weaponry to, and that apparently the French and the British and even American special forces apparently are on the ground in Maripol training them. You have to wonder, why is it they keep sending in helicopters to get people out of Maripol, even though they get shot down over and over and over again? Is it because of who's there? Are some people there that aren't supposed to be there? Are we back to our old post-Cold uh, War, post uh Uh, World War II, Cold War era politics, where we were arming Nazis, helping Nazis, uh, empowering Nazis, helping Nazis escape, enriching Nazis. Just research the history of Klaus Barbie in Latin America. Figure out the real history of the origin of the cocaine trade from Bolivia and who might have been complicit in that, who might have facilitated that. You don't just have to read the biography of people like D.E.H. and Michael Levine and others to understand the scale and scope of that Nazi collusion that we engaged in. That Operation Gladio can tell you a lot. Operation Mockingbird also can tell you a lot. Operation Paperclip can tell you a lot. So we're back in bed with bad actors and we try to stage a false flag to do it. Come back after the break to discuss more about the failed false flag in Ukraine. Your voice counts. When you share information, be it over the internet or in person, it changes the world. The globalists know their agenda is unpopular. They know you're angry. And now to get around big tech, it's more important than ever that we use every tool we've got. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you sign up for our free news and show alerts, you can then take those alerts, those articles, and those live feeds, both the regular shows and special reports, and share them with everyone you know. Take action now by texting the word NEWS, N-E-W-S, to 833-470-0438. That's 833-470-0438 for InfoWars Emergency News Alerts. Or text the word SHOW to 833-470-0438 and receive live show notifications. Take action now, create the chain reaction, and tell others to share those texts. Get news alerts at 833-470-0438. 
Have you ever thought about turning your Glock, XD Family, or 1911 handgun into a semi-automatic carbine? It only takes about 30 seconds. The MacTech Carbine Upper is classified as an accessory and can be delivered right to your doorstep with no FFL or background check required. It's the world's most versatile pistol accessory. Build your custom upper today. Simply go to handgunconversion.com. That's handgunconversion.com. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. You're listening to The Alex Jones Show. Welcome back to The Alex Jones uh, Show here. This is Robert Barnes hosting it temporarily while uh, Alex is uh, out and uh, has some other uh, projects that he must take care of. So uh, we were discussing the false flag event in Bucha, which the evidence continues to mount for it. What appears to have actually happened is that there were various people who were defending uh, the, the the civilians that were basically armed and uh, tried to fight back when the Russians came in. Some of them were buried. They're now trying to call that a mass grave, civilian graves, completely false. People are finding video documentary evidence to prove it. Secondly, that because of Ukrainian shelling, that there were people who died whose bodies were then located it where they were for the purposes of uh, political propagandized effect, but in, but in fact, the actual source of their death were, were once again, uh, Ukrainian policies and decision-making. And that in the uh, there's issues with the New York Times photograph. The New York Times purported to produce a satellite photo from a particular time and date, and uh, forensic anal- uh, analysts have looked at it and said, well, first, they noted right away it didn't quite make sense. That if these bodies were out there for weeks and were just left there, then why were the bodies in a condition as if they had just been there for a few days? Didn't seem to quite make sense. There's no dogs, no birds, no other damage, no blood around them, etc. But then people doing forensic analysis of the photos themselves using the various known weather patterns and what the light patterns would be uh, debunked the New York Times and identified the photo's authenticity as much more likely much later than the date that was being reported and published by the New York Times. In addition, the Ukrainian media and Ukrainian social media accounts of the Nazified units of the Ukrainian military and police structure uh, themselves disclosed prior to the date of these photographs that uh, they were going in to, quote, clean up uh, this particular suburb. And what they meant by it, they said explicitly and expressly, both in these articles and in these social media posted videos, which was that they were going in to take out uh, those they considered saboteurs those they considered to have colluded with Russia's occupation. That's why disproportionately the people that are seen dead are wearing the white armband of Russian affiliation or appear to have Russian food rations near them at the time that they appear to have been summarily executed by the Ukrainian neo-Nazi units. Here, uh, it's critical that a lot of confession through projection has been going on. Indeed, if you employ that filter, and confession through projection just stands for the idea that you look at an event and assume that the person is talking about themselves rather than the person they're accusing. Think about it in your own personal life. How often has somebody made allegations against you that just really made no sense at all? 
if you took the time to change the word you to the word I, how often was that person actually confessing their own bad deeds? Same logic can be applied consistently to Ukrainian propaganda. Ukraine just uh, several weeks ago was claiming that the Russian intelligence operatives were in dissent and there was complete chaos and disarray in the Russian intelligence hierarchy. In fact, of course, it came out later that the it was the Ukrainians who were removing key intelligence officers, the Ukrainians who summarily executed people that were negotiating on their behalf, the Ukrainians who summarily removed high-ranking generals from key positions of power. Applying that same logic, uh, listen to the uh, accusations of Zelensky, and he will be dis- describing his own units, particularly the Nazified units. These were units that were chosen because of their propensity to commit morally horrific acts, because they lack the limits of ordinary conscience. These are like, if you dig deep uh, behind Islamic fascist terrorists, the Ku Klux Klan, Antifa, certain violent communists, any uh, of these kind of groups, you just have to scratch a little. And what you will find is their real motivation isn't the Quran. Their real motivation isn't the Communist Manifesto. Their real uh, uh, motive isn't the uh, sort of clan-based racism. Their real motive often is that they are simply sociopaths. They are simply psychopaths. They are people with a propensity towards violence who want to enact that violence. And what these ideas give them is a political permission slip to act out their sick, sociopathic, psychopathic fantasy. This is, in fact, what Ukraine did, and particularly with the help and the demand of the West accelerating in 2014, that the uh, West uh, armed the uh, ultra-nationalist, far, the far western region of Ukraine, neo-Nazi-aligned groups that idolized people who colluded with the Nazis in World War II, as Stepan Bandera and the uh, Ukrainian ultra-nationalists did. These group of people come from a part of Ukraine that is not representative of the whole country, not representative of the whole population. They have extreme beliefs rooted in an unusual history. They come from a part of Ukraine that was almost never part of Russia ever. In fact, they used to call themselves Ruthenian. If you research the Ukrainian nationalist organizations in the United States aligned with these groups, they originally did not even call themselves Ukrainian, which simply means borderlands. They called themselves Ruthenian. They have long alignment uh, with the Poles, and then when they decided they wanted to separate from the Poles, they committed extraordinary acts of terrorism against the Poles. Stepan Bandera himself was in a Polish prison for his assassination of Polish leaders. That is who this group of uh, Ukrainian ultra-nationalists is. They tried to seize power multiple times, first in the interwar period between World War I and World War II, and then with the help of the Nazis uh, in World War II when the Germans came in. Indeed, it was from this group and the Nazis that the Holdemor mythology took hold. This was that the Soviet famine that ravaged all of the southern Soviet Union, in particular regions of Cossacks and Kulaks, independent peasant farmers with an independent cultural history, in the case of the Cossacks, um, they recast that as a Ukrainian-specific ethnic racial bigotry-motivated genocide. That was always patently false. More people died per, uh, by percentage of population in Kazakhstan than died in the borderlands of Ukraine. And where the people died in the borderlands of Ukraine, it was in the Kulak and Cossack areas, not in the far western areas of Ukrainian ultranationalism, which was not even under Soviet control at the time. This mythology that built up 
basically was meant to demonize the Russians and to see the Russians as their ultimate enemy. And this was part of the shift that the Nazis employed to get the ally uh, allegiance of these Ukrainian ultranationalists who had always built their political belief structure around Mussolini's uh, Italian fascism. And this long predated even the rise of the Nazis to power. So their fascistic tendencies are built in. They recruited from uh, ranks of the intelligentsia, many of them the sons of the Greek uh, Catholic uh, priest class there in that far western part of Ukraine. Another example of how different they are than the rest of Ukraine, which is either Ukrainian or Russian Orthodox by religious tradition, not Greek Catholic. Uh, but they also employed all the sociopaths and psychopaths and lined them up. They did it back then. They ended up killing uh, all, uh, a genocide effectively against the Poles. They ended up uh, killing over 30,000 Jews. Uh, they were just horrific in their treatment. Indeed, even the Nazis were shocked by how violent the, uh, these Ukrainian ultranationalists were, so much so that they gave them their own special SS divisions. And almost wherever they went, some of the worst atrocities in the world history occurred. With the American West and the CIA decided, well, who would be useful to fight the Soviets in the Cold War? Well, Nazis, of course. And so we went into bed with Stepan Bandera. We went into bed with these neo-Nazi Ukrainian ultranationalists to try to provoke a confrontation in Ukraine. We would then accelerate that by helping to spread the mythology of the Holodomor and recast it as a Ukrainian genocide. And that would in turn lead to its true institutionalization, which takes us all the way back to the color revolution. Because this Ukrainian conflict is not a new conflict. It's the political and military end of a decades-long conflict, mostly instigated and provoked by the West. More on that when we come So many back. people say to me, Alex, please stop being so negative. Well, for me, admitting I've gotten a rotten tooth and going in a root canal is not negative. It hurts, it stinks, it's got pus coming out of it. I go to the doctor, they fix it. That's not negative. I'm not living in denial. And so think of globalism as being hidden as an infection that we didn't feel yet, but now it's come to the surface. That's actually a positive thing. And so, yeah, Trump did overall a great job. They stole the election. We can't get down about that. We have forced them out in the open. So now they're trying to suppress us because they know they've been exposed. They're scared. That's why instead of saying, oh, we're a bunch of losers, look what happened. No, we're a bunch of winners. They're trying to suppress us. Let our light of truth shine and tell everybody what's happening. Your own website, your own show, my show, other articles, other videos. Just keep sharing however you can and realize we're in an information war. We're going to win this together. And the fight starts at InfoWars.com. You're listening to The Alex Jones Show. Alex Jones Show here on InfoWars. This is Robert Barnes, especially hosting for Alex. Uh, we are discussing the Ukraine-Russia war, the nature of the various false flags that continue to percolate and populate the various social media and mainstream institutional narratives that exist. The one classic example of when you can know something is a false flag, dating back to our own first ever pro prominent false flag to get involved in a foreign war, the Remember the Maine, as they said, to hell with Spain, remember the Maine. What was that all about? It was about the sinking of a battleship in Havana Harbor, which our own people strongly suspected was actually the result of either an accident or internal sabotage, not the result of the Spanish. 
But we wanted to go to war. Our deep state apparatus at the time uh, wanted to go to war. Indeed, if you want to know whether a uh, false flag type event or some other provocative event uh, in war was going to happen in that time period, all you needed to know is that it would be connected to the Navy and a Roosevelt, someone named Roosevelt, would be in charge. Indeed, it was uh, then Theodore Roosevelt uh, as part of the Navy that uh, was the one demanding that uh, war with Spain occur using his position in the Navy to uh, falsify, frankly, information concerning Remember the Maine. And then, of course, it would be his cousin, uh, old Franklin, who would do the same thing while he was at the Navy to promote World War I and while his key people were in the Office of Naval Intelligence to withhold key information from generals in, at uh, Pearl Harbor to get us into World War II. Nothing like a Roosevelt in the Navy to get us involved in war. But in this particular false flag, and one of the keys to the remember the main one, was the refusal to allow an independent third-party investigation. Not only did the U.S. refuse to allow Spain to get involved at the time, but allowed, disallowed any independent third party, then slow-walked the investigation, and then had people in charge who were not even capable or competent to do their jobs. Meanwhile, key evidence would ultimately go missing over time. The same is already present in the Ukrainian latest false flag from this uh, suburb outside of Kiev. Right away, Russia demanded a special United Nations Security Council meeting to call for an independent third-party investigation into what happened. Russia believed that Ukraine had deliberately not only created this provocative false flag as an agent provocateur type event to inspire and instigate more Western involvement in this conflict in Ukraine, but it had in fact del committed deliberate atrocities as they have repeatedly for almost eight years or longer in the Donbass, as they had in the Crimea uh, before Crimea decided to get out of the Ukraine. And even then, their water supply has been cut off this entire time. The, uh, that, that they had gone in and deliberately executed people that were seen as sympathetic to uh, Russia in that community and then turned around and blamed the Russians for it. Well, what did the West do? Did the West rush in to hold that UN Special Security Council meeting? Did they rush in to get a third-party independent investigative team right on the ground? Well, evidence is key because right now Ukraine is in exclusive control over this evidence over its forensic value and quality diminishing on a daily basis? What did the West do? The West said, eh, eh, well, I'm sorry, it's tea time here in Britain. We got to get our tea and biscuits. Consequently, we just can't hold this meeting today and couldn't hold it tomorrow or the next day. In fact, no special meeting about this, nor any third-party investigative team is being sent in. Instead, the only proposal is the EU the EU will go in like anybody would have any confidence in the EU. Not only are they ill-equipped to do war crimes investigation, but they're obviously politically prejudiced on this subject. So if you see any more allegations of Russian atrocities, be immediately skeptical and suspect of such accusations. Apply that false flag filter. It's a useful filter in any context, historical or present or for future events that may occur. Look at it and see, are they asking me to demonize a whole group of people? Are they seeking an emotional rather than a rational response? Is the wrong party profiting? Indeed, these were the same false flag filters that would have flagged the false flags in Syria chemical weapons attacks just a few years ago. In the same capacity, the bigger, broader war that's taking place is the military war there and the economic war 
beyond it. Let's move and shift to the military war taking place. The information propaganda wars being won by the West because the West controls the means of production. They control big tech. They control big media. And their government propaganda arms have long been successful in suckering American and Western audiences into whatever lunatic false flag even occur. There's a reason for Remember the Maine. There's a reason for the sinking of the Lusitania. There's a reason why Pearl Harbor didn't quite have to happen. There's a reason why uh, the Gulf of Tonkin turned out the way it was. There's a reason why incubator babies getting killed in Iraq wasn't the story they claimed it to be. There's a reason weapons of mass destruction didn't exist. It's because all of those lies work. Most Americans bought those lies. You see many high-ranking political personalities and others, uh, Sebastian Gorka, some others, just cheering on these lies, repeating these lies, championing these lies, like those deep state suckers and saps that they are, pipping themselves out, whores for war once more. That's who the, the people are, and they will succeed at that aspect of it. But more and more Americans are waking up on a daily basis. And in this capacity, let's talk about the other big lie that's been taking place, one of the many in this conflict, and that is the big lie concerning the military planning of the Russians. As Fred Thompson's character says in the great film Hunt for Red October, son, uh, Russians don't take a crap without a plan. And indeed, you can assume the same. And for this, it's useful to understand deep battle policy created by Russian generals after their multiple and myriad failures at the beginning of the 20th century. They began to design and develop the strategy in the 1920s, and the main thing you need to know about it is that it believed that all future wars between armies, and that's an important point, different than wars involving insurgencies, in wars between armies, the future of warfare was a war of attrition. They believed that it was far more important to cut off supply chains and supply lines to isolate and encircle, to create what they call cauldrons, what the Germans called kettles, to basically uh, completely surround like you would siege an old city, but don't only to do so once you have cut off all of the means of reinforcement, all the means of communications, all the means of supply chains in, supplies of fuel, supplies of food, supplies of ammunition. So this was critical as part of Russian deep battle operational policy. If you understood that, and you understood Russia's intimate awareness of the difficulties of urban warfare, especially in a place like Kiev, that they defended uh, aggressively in World War II, that at various junctures before losing it and then retaking it, then you would know that the what the West was telling you about Russian military strategy was also propaganda, was also a lie. There was no desire for the Russians to go in and take Kiev. They would know that, especially when they won't bomb civilian uh, uh, locations, won't bomb civilian infrastructure, when they uh, are recognizing and respecting civilian shields such that they're not going after the people that are using civilian shields, then you know that the chances they're going to siege a city of 4 million people who have been taught for 20 plus years to hate all Russians and see them as the cause of trying to kill them with a national genocide in a mythology that had been made up but instructed into generations of Ukrainians after the color revolution of 2004, then you know that there is no chance the Russians intended to try to take Kiev, uh, that that would be a pipe dream. Now you might faint because one of the key aspects of Russian deep battle policy is maskarovka, a little masquerade. What is the point of such a little masquerade? It is to deceive people 
to deceive your adversary into thinking you're going to do one thing militarily when you're really going to do something else. What the Russians wanted to do was to be able to encircle Marpol and take over the Donbass, part one, and part two, be in a position to surround the core of the Ukrainian army units that are holding large parts of the Donbass region uh, by first cutting off their supplies, second, cutting off their reinforcements, third, encircling them in a cauldron. They could only achieve that objective in their minds if they distracted the Ukrainians into holding armed forces in Kharkov, holding armed forces in Sumy, holding armed forces especially in Kiev, holding armed forces in Odessa. How do you sucker the Ukrainians to do that? Well, you have Western media uh, propagandists to effectively you enable and enlist them against their own interest for the Russian cause. When we come back, a little more about how the Russian deep battle policy is playing out. Introducing the newest product from InfoWarsLife.com. We are so proud of InfoWars Life immune support. It is concentrated herbs that are known on record to supercharge our body's natural defenses. Ladies and gentlemen, this is something that is essential and everyone should get. And on top of it, it funds the InfoWar, so that's a 360 win. Let me tell you what is in this amazing product. Concentrated elderberry, concentrated echinacea, concentrated astragalus root, angelica root, loatium root, and more. This product is incredible. InfoWars Immune Support, exclusively available at InfoWarsStore.com, is funding the tip of the spear, the InfoWars operation. It is a 360 win. The only way you fail is by not taking action and getting this product to boost your body's natural defenses and keep InfoWars on the air. The globalists are hoping you don't take action. Take action now. InfoWarsStore.com. April 2022 just kicked off, and it's already been incredible. Klaus Schwab Bill Gates, Joe Biden, they, along with many other New World Order operatives, have gone on national television and announced that we are now under a world government. They have a summit taking place right now in Dubai titled World Government Summit, and they are announcing incredible tyranny. Everything we've talked about is now coming true, and the globalists want to take us off air. Ladies and gentlemen, we are running the biggest sale in the history of InfoWars right now. In our 28 years, all InfoWars apparel is being sold at cost until the inventory is gone and we're never going to print these t-shirts and ball caps and InfoWars flags again. We may have t-shirts and apparel in the future, but I don't even know. We are blowing out of everything to get emergency funds in right now. I'm firing the bat signal and asking you to get your t-shirts at InfoWarsStore.com right now. They're at cost. You're listening to The Alex Jones Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Alex Jones Show here on InfoWars. This is Robert Barnes, special guest hosting today. As we return to the subject of how is Russia doing militarily in Ukraine? Well, using the deep battle policy that Russia uh, brainstormed and has been their overarching method of military operations since uh, the 1920s, particularly in dealing with battles between armies, what we could have expected was that the Russians would first use deception. They would try to distract and divert uh, resources, and particularly military resources, of Ukraine in the initial invasion. Indeed, unlike the blitzkrieg strategies of the Germans, when the Russians would try to break through various 
uh, uh, barriers or various lines of defense, they would have a multiple front attack. Secondly, once they broke through, they wouldn't just immediately encircle. Several of the units would go much further into deep battle policy and take out supply chains, take out means of resupplying fuel, resupplying food, resupplying ammunition, resupplying soldiers. Sometimes they would use Mar Mariscofa, the, uh, the little masquerade, a little deception to also achieve that same objective. And it appears in stage one that is precisely what the Russians did. Knowing how difficult Kiev would be to take, the fact that they sent no more than 50,000 soldiers to that field, but they sent a long convoy of support materials that the world was obsessed with broadcasting, knowing that the NATO folks in the West would propagandize a false narrative of quick capture, that this would distract the Ukrainians into shackling their forces uh, in those regions and not uniting in the East, which was the ultimate objective, to take Maripol, to take back the Donbass. And in fact, that worked quite extraordinarily so, quite frankly. The Russians have mostly withdrawn from the Kiev regions, as predicted by some of us. Uh, they have never gone to Odessa, as predicted by some of us. They've never gone west, as predicted by some of us. Instead, they are about to take, off, take, the, take out the last remaining units uh, in, uh, in Maripol, and are further encircling and engulfing and creating a cauldron of the key Ukrainian units in the Donbass, who now are going to be without communication support, military communication, confidential encrypted communication support, because the Russians have taken it out so consistently, going to be without fuel. That's why the Russians have been hitting those fuel depots. I mean, it doesn't seem to get around to explaining the why of a lot of those fuel depot hits, do they? It's because they're trying to cut off the fuel support for those Ukrainian army units in that region. Uh, historical fact, often unknown, one of the key reasons that uh, the Germans lost in their Eastern Front battle uh, invasion of Russia was not just uh, the winter, not just a matter of man manpower, but was because they never did conquer the Caucasus, never did get control of that oil, and they kept running out of gas on the way back, including in their mechanized units and tanks. Fuel is the key is, in fact, the fuel of war. And so the Russian deep battle policy has all the elements of working. Scott Ritter predicts and projects that the Ukrainians will be wiped out by the end of April. Some honest NATO analysts have admitted the same to the Financial Times. Others think it will take a little bit longer, given the number of soldiers there and their commitment that you have a lot of Nazified units that are present there. But speaking of the fuel of war, the other thing about this conflict, beyond its information war prospects, beyond its uh, various military martial means of conflict and what is really happening in both capacities, is the economic and political war that it's really all about. Ukraine is merely a proxy for not only the West versus Russia, but for globalism versus nationalism, for two different worldviews. If you went back to 1997, you'd find that a young student, a young graduate student who had recently come back from his service as effectively a clerk in the KGB uh, and worked as a deputy to the mayor of St. Petersburg, took some time off to study some theories of power and strategy in St. Petersburg and wrote a thesis graduate paper that suggested that real power was rooted in control of resources, control of making actual goods, providing actual services, but even better, having the necessary resources that, that that civilized society and functioning economies depend upon. 
and that militaries often also co-equally depend upon. Own and control the oil. Own and control the gas. Own and control the coal. Own and control the uranium. Own and control the the potash. Own and control the food and the fertilizers that go to make the food. And if you did so, you could restore the wealth of any country and you could be independent of a globalist order. At the same time, the globalists were propounding a different world vision. George Soros, as really the penultimate leader of this group, was propounding that what we could have is an interdependent global economic world where military power was inconsequential because of the global economic interdependence between citizenries and countries. That would be controlled by a very small group at the top. And this small group at the top would control the financial currencies that the whole uh, interdependent economy was contingent independent upon and could leverage that for political control and could leverage that for cultural control. They could dictate what policies uh, countries, nations, and civilizations followed, and they could also dictate what cultural mores and beliefs they ascribe to. This is George Soros's quote, open society, unquote, foundation. His open society isn't open to many people beyond the George Soros's and the David Rockefellers and the Bill Gates of the world. And in this capacity, his vision was totally opposite, that resource power did not matter, that whether you made goods or services did not matter. What mattered is if you controlled the banking system, if you controlled the currencies, if you controlled the finances, if you controlled the institutions of culture and media and academia. That is why he spent almost all of his resources in those spaces and places. But that young graduate student uh, at St. Petersburg said, no, real power is trusting and empowering ordinary people with uh, democratic controls through a little D mechanism of using popular power as the basis of true power. Beyond that, it's resources, resources that help the military run, that help society function, that help the economies of the world govern. And in this capacity began, and that young graduate student was one, Vladimir Ilanovich Putin. And he went about building up Russia's resources. So in the 90s, when Russia became a de facto colony of the West, ravaging and raping its people and population on a daily basis, destroying and wrecking its economy for external profit and gain, with crime going up by almost tenfold, with poverty dramatically skyrocketing, with the inability, with homelessness, an unknown phenomenon suddenly appearing around the country, with oligarchs aligning with mafia units to steal and rip off from the people, both the workers and ordinary uh, folks alike. Uh, while that was going on in mass in the Boris Yeltsin liquored up days of the 90s, of the colonized Ruski 90s, Vladimir Putin returned it to a different form beginning in 1999. And soon that the poverty rate would drop by more than half, the economy would boom, the national security would be sustained, the defense budget would increase tenfold, elections would be independently verified and validated by its most harshest critics as legitimate and authentic, and Putin would build up a popular power base in Russia that is incomparable around the world, arguably incomparable at any history in world democratic politics. And that power is what he would use to leverage the development of resources in Russia. And it's that resource power that he believed ultimately would triumph over the globalist elite. That's what this battle was all about. Who was right? George Soros or Vladimir Putin? The nationalist or the globalist? The people who believe in individual sovereignty 
are the people who believe in financial elite banker rule. That's what the real war is all about. Ukraine is just the battle terrain for this broader nationalist globalist conflict. There's a reason why Trump said it made sense to make Putin and Russia an ally, not an adversary, because he saw Soros in that world vision as the adversary, just as Soros saw with him. Soros saw Trump and Putin as the two great adversaries of his goals and agenda. Well, what's been happening? So the Russians said, no, you need fuel. You need food. You need fertilizer. And we got all of it. And our military is going to be just fine because we enrich the uranium and we have the food and fuel and the steel to make it all work. The, uh, the West said, no, we will sink your uh, ruble. As uh, Biden said, the ruble will now be rubble, is the predictions and forecasts. The Russian economy would implode. The people would rise up in Russia and say, we don't want to be part of this nationalist sovereignty objective. We want to be part of the globalist elite. We want the George Soros world in our world. We want, the, we, we want to make sure we have our BMWs and our Mercedes-Benz and our Gucci bags and our foreign culture. Please, please bring us Disney. We must have it. This was what the Soros types actually believed would happen. Well, is that what has happened? What has happened in Russia? Has Putin's popularity cratered? Is imminent overturn and revolution and coup about to take place? Is the economy about to fall apart? Are the globalists winning? Or is Klaus Schwab crying in his Wheaties as we speak? Is instead the Russian ruble rising? The Russian economy replacing the dominant dollar? When we come back, more on that war and its development. The newest product from InfoWars Life is now available exclusively at InfoWarsStore.com. It is concentrated known herbs and compounds that will supercharge your body's natural defenses, your immune system, while at the same time, fun in the InfoWar. Our immune systems have always been critical, but in this globalist era, with all the criminal activity they're involved in, it is more important than ever to take the tools God gave us and supercharge our immune systems. InfoWars Life immune support is a game changer, and everyone out there that wants to be healthy and wants to boost your natural defenses should get it today. Out of the gates is 25% off at InfoWarsStore.com. Got a lot of other great products that boost your immune system well but this one is the very strongest we've got so anybody out there that cares about their health and wants to take care of themselves needs to get this product it's also a great gift for friends and family to boost their immune systems as well get yours today at infowarsstore.com for 25 percent off